I'd like to thank everybody for coming out tonight uh, to the tent. So uh, we appreciate everyone who's coming back uh, night after night. Uh, and for those, uh, even if this is your first night, really appreciate uh, you being here with us, considering uh, just how hot it is out. So um, the meetings will continue uh, tomorrow night and Friday, both nights at 7.30. No meeting Saturday. Uh, and then the last meeting uh, of this series will be Sunday night from 7.30 until 8.30 on Sunday night. So uh, before we open up uh, from the Word of God tonight, we'll just bow our heads. We'll ask for God's blessing on the meeting and we'll pray. Our Father in Heaven, we give Thee thanks uh, for the Savior of sinners. We're thankful tonight that we come uh, not only to uh, listen to Thy Word. Uh, sometimes we would sing, and we would sing truths that we have only gotten from Thy Word. And that is this, that we simply trust and find rest uh, in the Word of God. And so we're thankful for what it tells us. We're thankful each night that we have chosen uh, without hesitation to start the meetings and to focus our attention on reading uh, the words of God. And we would pray tonight that there would be someone here and they too could have assurance of salvation uh, because of what God has said in His Word. So we ask for help tonight as we would preach the Gospel uh, and we would ask, Lord, that we would be pleased to see God move and to save souls even in our meeting here tonight. We think of so many other places where the Gospel is being preached to, Lord, and we would give thanks regardless of where souls are being saved, but that Christ is being exalted as the one who saves and the one who gets the glory uh, when a soul is saved. So we ask this now in the name of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We'll just read a couple of verses tonight found in Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Most nights I'd like to focus on one verse, so sometimes you have to read two, though, to get the good news and the bad news together. Um, so in, in tonight's uh, reading of a couple of verses here, uh, we are confronted with, uh, we would say, some awfully bad news, but the second verse presents some awfully good news. So we'll read them together as they should be read. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, this is what the scriptures say. It says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, judgment. And verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. We'll just read those two lines together one more time. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this, judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We know that God will bless the reading of His Word tonight as we have spoken from it. Um, when you come to my house, if you want to come, you can come. Um, I'll leave the door open. You don't really have to be there. Um, so uh, if you want to come and visit, though, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they want to see through the house. And uh, there are some things people always say the same. And when we come to my living room, I have this big picture over my fireplace mantle. And uh, nine out of ten people look at the family in that picture and they go, 
it looks like one of those haunted pictures that you see in a house. Everyone looks very grim. No one's smiling. They look awfully down, and they kind of mock the picture a little bit, and then I tell them, that's my family, you know? And uh, then they kind of tone it down a little bit. But uh, in that photo is a very young boy. He's about three years old. He happens to be my great-grandfather, and I never met him. Uh, He died in 1970, but... um, What I've been told about him are a lot of things. I I do the same job he did. I lived in the same town he lived in. Uh, I knew some of the same people. But according to the Bible, there was one unique story that I've always remembered about him. And it was this, that throughout his life, um, he, he used to farm in Minnesota. I think he farmed in Waldwick, New Jersey. And uh, he, he was out in Iowa. And, and he was uh, in many places in New Jersey, from Patterson to Midland Park to Waldwick. He was, but there was this one thing that was always said about him. Um, if you had asked him about death, he knew this verse, Hebrews 9 and 27. He could have quoted it to you. He would have said, it's appointed unto men once to die. But you know what? He didn't know it was in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever been like that. You've said something. Like, what do we say? Like, for instance, people say to me, oh, thanks for taking care of Matt for 14 days. And I would say, it's a labor of love, right? Well, that's from the Bible. That's from the Bible, right? You know, you'd say... It's, it's kind of a labor of love. It's just really labor, mainly. But uh, you'd say, uh, but, uh, but there are things that we say, and they're from the Bible. We don't even know it. Well, my great-grandfather, his whole life, he, he could, those words would go through his head. It's appointed unto men once to die. If you asked me to say it in our common day vernacular, I would tell you this. Listen, one day your number is going to get called and you're going to go. One day, your number's going to get called, and you know what? Life will be over. It'll be done. And everyone here tonight, when I talk to you about dying or about death, I know that sometimes when you're young, you don't think about it. And sometimes when things are going good, you don't think about it. And sometimes even when you get older, it seems that all the billboards and all the doctors tell us we're living longer now. And so it's the last thought on our minds. But we all know this. We're all guaranteed to die one day. And you'd say, why does the Bible tell us that? And you may have asked my great-grandfather, you would have said, that's such an obvious thing to know. No one needed to tell you that. And you know what? He might have been remar- He might have been actually surprised that God would have taken space in His Bible to tell you something that you'd say, we should all know. Men die. It's appointed. It's going to happen that men are going to die one time. My great-grandfather one day, when someone told him this verse was in the Bible, he opened up his Bible and he read there, Hebrews 9 and 27, it's appointed unto men once to die. And you know what? He could have said, that's guaranteed. But you know what? The only reason he's in heaven today is because the second verse is also guaranteed. Christ once was offered to bear the sins of many. See, if you believe you're going to die tonight, you can put equal trust in this. Christ also died for your sins. See, you're going to die once, but Christ died once. Sometimes in the Bible, the Bible will do that. The Bible will say, it'll get us to agree with something so that it can, it can question our doubts about something else. Uh, I always like to bring up the example of Proverbs 16 and 18. And it tells me there about pride. Who here doesn't have pride? 
who, who here is not, who here hasn't had a moment in their life where it just seemed like you were a little better than the guy next to you? You'd say, no, it, David gets us all, but, but that verse, I think it's there because it tells me, I, I can remember a couple weeks ago going out for dinner. And every once in a while, you just like to maybe show off a little bit. You're out with a group of, usually it's women, and you say, I'm going to pay for everyone's meal tonight, you know? Maybe a big dinner table and a nice swanky restaurant. You say, I'm going to show them that I'm a high roller. Pull out your gold credit card, you know, and I gave it to the waiter. And he come back and he said, "Uh, the strip doesn't work, you know? (laughs) See, pride comes before the fall. So the Bible tells us that. Because we all agree about pride, but then the Bible goes on and tells us just as easy as you know there's pride, you know when? When it comes up in you, you know what you can expect? You can expect the cliff to be there you're going to fall off of. It's guaranteed. And so the Bible, it sometimes tells us things. In fact, that's how the Bible begins. The Bible begins and says, would you believe those first words of Genesis 1 and 1? In the beginning, God. And it would ask us tonight, it would say, we often tell people, go home and read your Bible. And they say, where do I begin? I say, you open the page one and tell me if you believe the first four words. In the beginning, God. And people would tell me, I believe them. And then I would ask them this, if you believe the first four words, you should have no trouble believing every other word. Because if the man who put the breath in your lungs, if he really did it, he's the only man who can remove sin from your soul. So if God puts the air in your lungs, He's the only man who can remove the sin from the soul, right? If God's the one who breathes into man and man becomes alive, there's only one person who can remove sin from the soul. That's God Himself. And so if you can believe the first four words, you can believe all 66 books, if you can believe something like we die once, you can be guaranteed to believe this, Christ died once for you. Christ died one time, never to be repeated. And it's a guarantee. You say, we can never be sure of this. Yes, you can. You can be absolutely sure that Christ died for you. Because God has said it. You believe you're going to die once? You know, before they're ever able to etch my name on a granite slab, my name will be heard in heaven. In fact, you know what? If your name's not written in heaven before they put it on a slab of granite... Shame on us because you've heard the gospel message. If you've heard what the Bible says and you can't tell me tonight that you're going to heaven, what are you waiting for? So the Bible comes across with these truths in it and makes these guarantees. And sometimes when we talk about them, we, 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 would, we would focus a lot. And I've been, I've been accused of this. I've been told that maybe I have to cut back a little bit. And then, and then they would say to me, Dave, every time you get up to preach, you preach about... Judgment. You preach about death and sin. And, and sometimes we try to go right to the things that make people think. Uh, make people just think about these things. Because that's what we're trying to do. Just to get into someone's head and to show them the truth of Scripture. And so you say you always go there. And you always bring that up. Why go right for that? Why, why do that? I do that for one reason and one reason only. Because if, if you're not a sinner tonight... If you think you deserve heaven tonight, you'll never be there. If you think you deserve heaven tonight, you'll never be there. The Bible says it's it's a place for those... The Bible just calls them sinners. I, 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 I sometimes try for illustrations just to bring these truths out. And to be honest, sometimes in my awfully young life of, of, as I would say, experienced poor life. I just have one illustration. Just, just one thing maybe to bring out this idea of what it means to be guilty. 
I went to school up in the Bronx. Um, some people here have lived in the Bronx, right? Uh, I went to school in the, uh, the very, uh, I guess you would say, nice part of the Bronx. But I don't tell people that. I like people to think I was dangerous for a while. So I say I went to school in the Bronx. Um, I can remember a lot about the first couple of weeks of school that were uh, awfully surprising. Uh, but the most, I guess, vivid memory I have of that first semester uh, was the time I was pulled over on the Henry Hudson Parkway uh, doing about almost 30 miles over the speed limit. It was a very low speed limit, though. I, I, they should have changed it. It was ridiculous how low it was. Uh, but there I was, pulled over uh, by the Henry Hudson uh, Parkway police there. And uh, I remember the guy giving me a ticket. And I remember looking at a ticket and going, where do I pay the fine? He goes, no, no, you have to go to court. And I was like, he's like, this is reckless driving. So uh, I was quite young, quite innocent. I, I used to just kind of, any bills I had, I used to give to my father and he would pay it. But now I had to do it myself. And there I was, uh, a couple months later, finding myself uh, in the Bronx courthouse there, and it was not a nice section of the Bronx. And I can remember everyone else there that day seemed guilty, except for me, because everyone else had some type of handcuffs on, right? And there I was coming in with my book bag just before classes were going to start. I still remember going there before the judge, and uh, he asked me how I pleaded. And I told him, I plead not guilty. And then he uh, proceeded to ask me, uh, did I want to uh, have someone defend me in a trial? Or did I, want, did I want to have someone come up, like a lawyer, defend me? I said, no, no, no. I said, I, I'm not guilty. And he said, uh, you know, do you have anybody who's going who's gonna to represent you? Because uh, this could mean loss of license. This could mean huge fines. And I said, no, no. I said, I, I'm not guilty. He said, Mr. I don't even think you pronounced my name right. I don't know what he said. Zoidema or Zuda. Mr. Zuda, Zoidema. He said, uh, he goes, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. He says, uh, he goes, there's judgment, right? There's a judgment against you. There is something, there's consequences from this. I remember my mom telling me, because she always went to court. I remember the wisdom that she gave me once. And she said, if you ever go to court, just tell them that you're guilty. So that, that wisdom just kind of come into my ear. And I remember going to the judge and I remember saying, I have a one more, give me one more shot. Mr. Zidema, how do you plead? Guilty. He said, okay, good. He goes, we can, we can work something out. Go meet the public, go meet the advocate. We'll do a plea bargain. You say, what was the point? See, if you want to settle out of court tonight, God says plead guilty. If you would plead guilty... If you would realize what you are, God doesn't want anybody to come with a facade. God doesn't seek people to wear masks. He doesn't seek for them to come up and, as it were, hide behind a parent or hide behind a church or, or hide behind good things. He says, if you would come, and Matt has said it night after night after night, if you would just come as you are guilty, you would find out this great truth. Christ Jesus came into the world to save guilty people. You see, before I was before I was even given a name at birth, on that August 20th day, when I was born in Valley Hospital, Ridgewood, New Jersey, before they could write my name on that little card outside of that, that little glass thing, you'd say, you know what was true about me? Is that I was guilty. I was condemned already. And you might say to me, you know what, Dave? I don't want to know a God like that. I did. Because God says in His Word that He came into the world to save one kind of person. Guilty people. People who are condemned already. If you're innocent tonight, this is your heaven. You'll get nothing else. If you're guilty tonight, God has great news for you. 
The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto men once to die and judgment. And the Bible says this, just settle out of court. Just settle out of court. You say, if, if you could just follow me tonight, you could say, I believe it. I believe it 100% that I'm going to die one day. You'd say, as sure as you are of that, you could be just as sure that Christ also bore our sins. He bore the sins of many. And it takes those true truths and it brings them together. And it tells me this. It says, if I could just stop focusing on how I feel. And, and sometimes we focus on how much I believe. And we say, if I could focus less on me. In fact, don't focus on me at all. It says, just look to the one Christ who bore our sins. It's Him. It's salvation began with Him. It ends with Him. In fact, if you ask me, Dave, is there any chance you won't be in heaven? Yes, there is a chance. You want to know what that chance is? If the Lord Jesus Christ fails, I won't be in heaven. You say, oh, Dave, He'll never fail. How come you're not going to heaven? The only chance I won't be in heaven is if Christ can fail. And the same Bible that tells me that He came to save my soul, that He came to die for my sins, tells me this. He shall not fail. You can believe it. It's 100%. I say this over and over again. It's, it's, it's one of those cliche lines, but... Just look amused when I say it one more time. You can be 100% sure tonight you're going to heaven because the Lord Jesus Christ did 100% of the work. Because in those six hours at Calvary, He died for 100% of your sins. Because when He went to Calvary, He did 100% of it. And the Bible is not 99.9% complete. It's 100% complete. And this Bible tells me unlike anything else, that I'm guilty, but that Christ died for the guilty. And so I ask you, you're going to die one day. What are the chances that the only thing that will be important for us to remember about you is that you were one that knew that Christ died for you? Because in this life, there's only two things to be aware of. Before I die, to realize that there was one who died for my sins. That when it comes time for them to lay me down, you know, sometimes I think of uh, different eulogies, and I've almost become like my grandparents now, reading the obituary section, right? In the record. And you know what I search for? In all those records, and they've told me recently how much money people pay for every word to put in those obits. And they tell me about parishioners at churches. They tell me about service overseas. They tell me about loved ones and great-grandkids and, and family members. And all I look for is just this. What were they depending on for eternity? What was their one boast? You can boast in a church. You can boast in service. You can boast in family. You can boast in, in how smart you are. You can boast in how well you work. You can boast in anything, my friend. But unless you find your boast in the cross of Christ you'll never be heard in heaven. Because heaven is for the guilty. Thank God for these verses that tell me something I already knew before I opened the Bible. But I'm glad that it goes on to say something I could only believe it was in the Bible. And it tells me that Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many.
to bear my sins. So I ask you tonight, you could believe verse 27. How about believing verse 28? Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. Who doesn't believe that here? How about believing the gift of God is eternal life? What about John 3 and 17? God sent His Son not to condemn the world. We all believe that. But that the world through Him might be saved. How about believing that? We all believe one side of everything. The Bible asks you tonight just to believe the other side. The side that tells you you can be guaranteed of heaven. Because Christ took your place of Calvary, died for your sins, in order to make sure that you would one day be there with Him. And tonight, I tell you just as sure, the guarantee is there for the taking. 100%. Don't settle tonight. Don't go home tonight if you're only 99.9%. Don't go home. Don't leave. The only way you should go home tonight and be able to go to bed is you're 100% sure. You say, Dave, I don't know if that can happen. It can. Because it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Christ. Everything to do with believing in what He has said in His Word. Great to see everyone that's out tonight. I have four places I'd like to read with you uh, in the Word of God. And they're all in the New Testament. And the first reading that we have together uh, is in the book of Mark, please. Second book of the New Testament. Mark in chapter 8. Mark in chapter 8 and verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Verse 37. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now let's look at another reading in the book of John. In chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the, church, and the third chapter. John in chapter 3, and verse 16. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now let's look at uh, Acts, please, in chapter 26. The book of Acts. And chapter 26. It's interesting, Dave said, uh, as he closed... Uh, if the Bible says something, would you believe it? And he mentioned different verses. We're going to read about a man. I'm only going to read one verse. Well, we'll read two just for connection. But of a man who heard the word, who heard the gospel, who heard the word of God, and he chose not to believe it. So let's look at Acts chapter 26 and verse 27. King Agrippa believeth 
thou the prophets, I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now let's look at the last reading in the book of James in chapter 4. James, please, in chapter 4. And verse 13. James 4 and verse 13. We use this many times uh, in a ministry role or a teaching role or an exhorting role. Or, but we're going to look at it with a gospel capacity. Verse 13. Go to now, James 4 and verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. And that's all we'll read. I read those words uh, in the book of James for one particular reason. If you uh, came to Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago, you would walk past an office of the chaplain of the mission. He's been there for over 30 years, Mr. McNeil. And you'd, if you were to walk into his office, you would see that his office, I wouldn't use the word littered, but it, it's, it's cluttered, as it were, with clocks. There are clocks all over and, and little timepieces. And I asked him one time, I said, uh, uh, it's the obvious, uh, why do you have so many uh, different clocks in this particular room? He said, Matt, there's a verse that spoke to me 30, over 30 years ago, and I read those words found in James in chapter 4. What is your life? It is but a vapor. And it struck me, he said, as an unsaved person, that my life was an absolute waste. I had no purpose in my life. I had no peace in my life. I had no hope in my life. I had no faith in my life. I loved darkness rather than light because my deeds were evil and I needed some purpose in my life. I needed something to fill the void in my life. And I realized that the brevity of my life, the, the shortness of my life, it was coming to a close. God preserved him for over 30 years. But it struck him that there's a day coming that Mr. McNeil will pass into eternity. And he said, I started to search the scriptures and I came to trust. And we read the words together uh, in John in chapter 3 and verse 16, I came to trust in those words, the same words that saved my soul at the age of 22. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that man came out of a penitentiary, and he was saved, he was born again, he was converted, and he, had, he started a new life. And God took him from the enslavement of sin, locked behind bars, and he places him at a chaplain in a homeless mission. That's the God friend that I'm speaking about. Radically transforming lives through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask the question, what is your life? Believers alike, unbelievers. If I went right around the room, we could say, uh, well, his life, and if, you were to, if I was to ask the question, one might say, well, my life right now, Matt, it's focused on my career. I met an individual, I was trying to hook up uh, him and, a, and a, a sweet girl that we knew. He's a very nice guy, he's a good friend of mine, and, and her, and he, 
These are the words that came out of his mouth. They, they actually fell for each other. They all linked up. They linked up very well. They're both believers. And the man said this to me, Matt, I just don't have time for this. I'm too focused on my particular degree. That's what he's in. He was like, I just need to finish. What's your life? It's but a vapor. That man's life, I love him dearly, but that man's life is all consumed with self. He needs to finish his particular goals before he takes on another human being and cares about that being. What's your life? If I went around the room, there would be individuals, and I, could, and I know some of them, who they are tonight. They would say, well, Matt, my life, I spend months in uh, Mexico, for example, and I try to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that person's life. Other individuals, they're trying to climb the, the corporate ladder of success. Give me more. Give me more. What's your life? I asked the question today because, friend, if someone said to me, Matt, uh, my life perhaps on this, on, on this planet doesn't mean much, but I want to be certain that the day that I leave planet Earth, I'm going to heaven above. That I have a life, that I have a home in heaven. That I have eternal life. I ask you today, friend, where are you going? Is heaven your home? The Bible speaks about two places, heaven above and hell beneath. The room today is divided with individuals going to either place. I ask the question again, what is your life? I wonder if at times when we speak in the gospel, and many perhaps have sat under the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but do we really believe that our God is saving sinners? I came home last night. This is something, brethren and sisters, uh, and if you're unsaved today, if you don't know who I am, but I share the gospel in Chicago with hundreds of uh, guys who are from the prison and the gangs and name a sin they haven't done and there they are. And I came home last night and I'm leaving. I'm moving to Hawaii to hopefully share the gospel out in that area. But I came home last night and I got a text from the man that I used to preach with, Brother Kerwin. If you were to ask that man, what's your life? Kerwin is a CEO of an organization. As a matter of fact, there's 13 companies that roll up under him. So if you looked at the package and you just heard that, you think, well, that's his life. But it's not. He told me that, Matt, four years ago when we started the work at Pacific Art of Mission, the Lord opened those doors. He said, that work absolutely changed my life. That's his life. He shares the gospel. And he sent me a text last night. He said, Matt, do you remember William Cal? And I said, yes, I do. I wrote back. Four years, we've been preaching the gospel to William. And William started out in the back of the room. And William started out with his... We'd open up the word and William would put his hands on his ears. And we'd preach anyway. And we started noticing that William left the back, uh, back room and he started coming to the front a little bit more. And pretty soon he's in the front of the room. And then I went off to Washington and I spent a month there in gospel meetings and now here. And I didn't get to see him. I said, well, what happened with William? He said, William came up to me after a gospel meeting tonight and he held on to the pulpit. And he said, Kerwin, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. He said, nothing can tie me to this earth. I have nothing to lose. I have nothing here. And my life is short. Show me in scripture how I can know I'm going to heaven. And Kerwin turned to 1 John. He said, Matt, guess where I turned? And I started spitting stuff off on text. John 3, Romans 3, Romans 5. And, and I kept going and I thought, ah, it's got to be 1 John 5. Kerwin said, 1 John 5. And this have I written that ye may know, know without a shadow of doubt that you're going to heaven. He that believeth on the Son. God's record. Not Matt's record. Not Dave's message. Not, not, not Brother... Uh, 
Dave Hamilton's message. No, it's God's message, friend. He that hath the Son hath life. And that man passed from death unto life. A broken, hardened, mid-60s individual that never trusted in Christ ever. And last night he did, and he's bound for heaven because the Word of God says so. I ask you today, what's your life? If you looked at his life, you'd say, oh, there's, there's nothing there. Friend, listen, if 60-something years of his life were an absolute waste of sin, and he died tomorrow, he's in heaven because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us as far as the east is from the west. And you can be made certain today that you're going to heaven because of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is your life? I read today, I'm not going to... I won't even mention her name. But you can look it up on Yahoo. It was very recent. There's a lady at 86 years old. Let's just say this. Miss Payne is her name. And at 86 years old, uh, they actually put a Netflix documentary in her name for stealing. There's a documentary under this girl's name. Actually, we might as well say it because you can look it up. So Doris Payne. At 86, she just got caught again stealing at Walmart. They've already put a movie in her name. She's addicted to taking things. And it was impressive to me at what she took. I thought for sure she walked out with thousands of dollars worth of jewelry if they sell that at Walmart. I don't know. I don't go over there very often. But if they took, and she went in there and she took things. No, she stole $86 of garbage of no use. And as they caught her at the door, she said, Oh, I took some medicine. I must have just kind of forgot. That's what they, she told her. But she's caught in her sin. And it's amazing that as a sinner, you're caught in your sin, and then your sin starts building up more sin, and she starts uh, giving more excuses. She says, hey, on this particular credit card, I have $7,000. I could have easily bought it. But you know what the problem is? She didn't. She didn't. She went and took, and she didn't pay, and now she is, and she's caught in her sin. And the writer there, at the, as, the, as, he, as he penned that story of what happened there in Yahoo News or CNN or whatever it is, uh, he said, uh, she was not concerned whatsoever. Imagine that. That is what sin does. It is hardened hearts. It is calloused hearts to the wages of sin. Here's just, she's caught. She's going to spend time at 86 years old. You say, well, well, what's your life if you asked her? If she was to die and you say, well, what was her life? She'd be remembered by theft. That's her life. Wouldn't it be amazing to walk to a casket one day and we say, well, what was her life? Whether she passed at 11 or passed at 90, you say, you know what? She had a life lived for God. She had a life of purpose. She knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her own personal Lord and Savior. And perhaps she had the whole world here, or perhaps she had nothing. But she's in heaven above because Jesus died for her. What's your life? Now let's look here because the gospel is very... uh, There's particular things that I want to look at here in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust that with God's help, we can even end a little bit early because it is... It is warm. But this message here, uh, it discerns. The gospel is a discerning message. Notice what we read together in John in chapter 3. First we read John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now if you drop down in that particular chapter and you looked at the condemnation, because Christ here is speaking, and He's saying, Him that believeth, Or she that believes. The little girl that believes in Christ. The little boy that believes in Christ. The older man that believes in Christ. The older woman that believes in Christ. The one who's academically intelligent or not. That that person believes in Christ. The one who's rich or the one who's poor. That person believes in Christ. Him that believeth in Him is not condemned. 
The Bible says that you and I are condemned already. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And here Christ is saying, him that believes in Christ, though, is not condemned. That's tremendous. That is life-changing. That's a defining moment in someone's life when they come to trust in the Lord Jesus because now they have eternal life. And this is what Christ is saying. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. In other words, he that believeth on Christ has life. He has a home in heaven. He's not condemned. He doesn't have to pay for the wages of his sin, that that being death. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In our vernacular today, because he's condemned, because he's not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as his own personal Savior, or as her own personal Savior. Now notice what, here it is. Here's the, 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 the discerning part of it. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. When we speak in the gospel, it divides truth from falsehood. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son has not life. There's a message out there that goes forth and the enemy's biggest tool today is to dilute the gospel. It's a crossless message today. There there are organizations that will speak and they'll say, yes, there's a Christ and, and He died, but they don't speak about the cross. Or yes, there's a Christ and He was a good man, but He wasn't God's Son. It's a Christless message. It's a bloodless message. They don't want to touch the work of the cross. And the gospel is so focused, and the message crescendos, it builds up to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross. A violent scene. And we'll be careful how we communicate that. But friend, Christ died a horrible death to set you free. To give you life. And the Bible is a, is a discerning message. You know, I was, I was thinking about it today. Uh, and I wrote this down just a bit. But religion plays on weak, but relationship pl- plays on strong. You ever think about that? For someone to come to the God of heaven, Dave spoke about it, come just as you are. For someone to come to the God of heaven just as they are, to admit their guilt, to stand there tra- uh, transparently, to confess their sins, it takes a strong person. Christianity is not for weak individuals. I'm, and I'm being careful when I say that. But... It takes someone strong to say, you know what? Yes, God, I am wrong. Perhaps the biggest problems in relationships today, if you ask my wife, she would say, well, Matt can't admit when he's wrong. Right? I do something and she says, Matt, would you just admit it? And I, I'm so stubborn. I just keep, I just got to admit I'm wrong. When a sinner comes to a holy God who knows who he is or who she is, and they say, I am wrong and you are right, the repentant heart. The Bible says, except you repent, you'll perish. And they come to realize for the first time in their life that when God's word says Christ died for their sins, Christ died for their sins, and they trust it. That's what Brother Dave was speaking about today. Now let's just jump. I'm going to end really early if I can. If you look with me at John chapter 3 and verse 36. Not only is the gospel discerning, but the gospel message is dividing. Look at John chapter 3, verse 36. I quoted 1 John chapter 5. It says the same verse there uh, in, in the same context. He that believeth on the Son hath life. That's John 3, verse 36. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the gospel message today doesn't divide you and I uh, with where we went to school. It doesn't divide you and I from the Zudamas or the Zaitamas from the Heberts. It doesn't do that. It doesn't divide you and I from who grew up in Jersey and who grew up in Chicago, who's from Canada or who's from the States. That's not how it divides. It divides on who has the Son. Who has the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And this room tonight is not divided 
by this particular strip that goes to the back and there's room here for me to walk. That's not the division in this room. The division in this room is, has to do with people that have come to trust with eyes of faith. They have rested. That's the thought. Not only did they come to the cross, they rested on it as it were. And they came to trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior. There are people there in tonight that are there. And there are people tonight that have not come to that place in their, in their life yet. They don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're bound to an endless lost eternity. That's the division that's found in this very room. I was out in Washington and uh, <laughs> the guys out there are a little more daring than I am perhaps. And uh, there's a lot of guns. Like So Brother Walter has got an arsenal. He's got guns that, I mean, good night. He's got cannons. And, uh, and he's very comfortable with this lifestyle. And he's got horses. And he's just a gem of a man. And I would never knock on that guy's door if you weren't invited. He's just got a lot of stuff in his house. And uh, when we go there, he, he thinks our, our son Harrison uh, grows up the same way and shoots guns all the time. And I said, hey, uh, Walter, he's not shooting that gun. It was like a 302 Weatherby. If you don't know what that is, it's an elephant gun. It, it's capable of taking an elephant out. That's what they use for that type of hunting. And his is like a, a black powder where you you you, uh, you push the powder in. It's a powder gun. And you fire this thing. And he shot it. And as a grown man, he's 6'5", 300 pounds, his whole shoulder like moved. And I thought, my son's 10. Like He's going to come right off the ground and land in the, in the field. And so Harrison, without blinking, I told Walter, uh, we're not shooting those guns. My, my son, my wife, will have my head. And i got to go home and report that she, her son was shooting guns today. It's not happening. And Harrison, without a blink of an eye, he says these words. And I loved it. He said, Dad, who cares if I get shot? I'm going to heaven. <laughs> it broke my heart, though. I thought, ah, I'll care, right? <laughs> but instantly, without a shadow of a doubt, because he came to trust in Christ two years ago at the age of eight. Just simple faith. He believed that Christ died for his sins. And he said without a blink, he just says, Dad, it doesn't matter what happens to me, basically. I'm going to heaven. I ask you the question, where are you going? Yes, you're not going to get shot. (laughs) But if you did, pass into eternity. You slip everything that we have as comfortable, all the time that uh, clusters our day and our schedules and our busy calendars, and all that leaves, and you enter the unknown. Where are you going? The Bible only speaks about two places, heaven above or hell beneath. Now it's also a defining moment. Notice here in, or a defining message. Notice here in Agrippa, and I'm just reading Acts chapter 26 and verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, it's a beautiful chapter to read. If I were to read verse 1, and I don't have it memorized, but it's interesting that they give Paul the opportunity to speak, and it says Paul lifts his hand. And I can't imagine what that was like. It's as if Paul's been bubbling and he's hearing things and they say, Paul, now it's your turn to speak and Paul fires off like a rocket and he's preaching the gospel and he's telling Agrippa and those that are there there's Felix, there's Festus he's telling Agrippa, hey listen uh, I was unsaved I was lost. I used to persecute Christians. And one day I'm walking on the road and the Lord reveals himself to me and now I'm born again. And he's sharing the gospel that we've been speaking about tonight. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. How God not only hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And he proved that at the cross. And Paul is speaking to Agrippa. And then he says, King Agrippa, believe thou the prophets? He's asking the question. And then he says, I know you believe the prophets. But would you believe this? And he says these words. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That moment in Agrippa's life was the defining moment in his entire walk. 
You know, if you asked me what a defining moment was in my life, I would tell you it was when I met my best friend Allison. That was a defining moment. That actually changed my life because I went from a self, uh, a selfish, a single person to now caring about someone and caring about her needs and vice versa. And that goes around. If you went to someone else and you said, well, what's the defining moment in your life? And they would say, Matt, you know what? I went for eight years to college and then maybe another four or whatever. And I became a doctor and I walked across that stage and they handed me the diploma. And now people speak to me as Dr. Amoroso, for example. He's a doctor. Right? That was a defining moment in his life. He's forever changed now. He's not looked at like Matt. He's doctor. He's different. There are defining moments in your life. Perhaps it's a time when you lost a loved one. And you say from that moment on, as I looked at that casket, my life changed. A defining moment. Tonight, friend, to be the defining moment in your life. This moment for Agrippa was a defining moment that cast him into eternity. Lost. He chose to reject Christ. He chose to push the gospel off. Not for me, for someone else. He says, almost, Paul. Listen, Paul, you almost have me. Almost. A defining moment. Don't let tonight be the defining moment in your life where you push off God and the message of the gospel and you perish into eternity. Have the moment tonight be the first time in your life I could take you to a man, Jose, he sat under the sun of the gospel at 82 years old in Washington. A man from the southern part of Mexico. He's spending time in Washington. He's picking cherries. First time he hears the gospel, two years ago. And he's sitting in the back. And I greet him at the door and I said, Jose, will we see you next year? And I wasn't really thinking we were going to. Because he was older of age. And I thought, you know, maybe he'll pass. I don't know. And he said, "Uh, Mateo, it doesn't matter. Because tonight I realize one thing. That I have my tickets to heaven. Jesus died for me. And I'll meet you in heaven if I don't see you next year. That's the defining moment in his life. There is no more important time in Jose's life. If you ask him even today, if God, by His grace, allowed him to live longer, and you ask Jose, what's the most important time in your life? And he said, it's the time I passed from death unto life at 82 years old. And I realized that it was all because of the grace of God that Christ came and died for my sins. And he came to trust in that work. I ask you today, when we speak from this book, I say a lot of words. Dave uh, was asking me the other night. He said, we sit down after Gospel Means time. We just talk. And he said, do you think we talk too fast? <laughs> I do. So I said, no, you talk slow. I mean, you're fine. But I talk fast. Okay? I think there's a competition between Joshua Vano and myself. We just, we just fly through words. Uh, but regardless of what I say, is there enough in this book that you can place your whole faith and trust in it? This is God's word. Dave says it every time. As a matter of fact, I might tease him about something, but he holds it like this and he says, this is all we have. And he's right. This is what we have. God communicates to you and I through this book. And this book, friend, it doesn't lie. It tells us about our sin. It tells us about our need for a Savior. It tells us about a substitute Christ that died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to die. And it tells you and I about a person that hung on a cross. He died between heaven and earth. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And God's Word tells us in John chapter 3. Here it is. I'm going to close. He that hath the Son, he that has Christ, has life. And you can have him tonight. Walk out these doors, then know you're going straight to heaven, all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.